1: assistant professor of culture-sensitive design at the Faculty of Industrial Design Engineering in TU Delft. We are talking to Annemite about her experience with multidisciplinarity. How did it happen that a designer with an engineering background started weaving anthropological perspectives into her approach to design? What ignited her turn towards a culture-sensitive design? What does it take to design for a diverse society? She also elaborates on the importance of combining a curious mind with a pragmatic attitude and the added value of being part of academia. We ask Anemik to tell us more about her recent published book and the motivation behind this big project. And lastly, how does Anemik see the impact of the recent designs as a reaction to COVID-19? Are they adding to the homogenizing trend or the opposite? Listen to this episode and let's reflect on those questions together. We hope you enjoy it.
0: Hi, friends. We are here today with Annemiek Van Buyen, uh, Assistant Professor at TU Delft and researcher in design culture and society. Hi, Annemiek. Hi. Thanks for having me. Annemiek, thank you so much for uh, for being with uh, with our podcast today. I'm I'm really I'm really curious to to dive into uh, your particular craft, but. Before going into that, can you tell me and our listeners a little bit about your professional path? Um, how have you arrived to
2: what you're doing um, today? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, uh, I graduated in uh, 1990, mm-hmm. so that's quite a, a long time ago, uh, as a product designer, and uh, at the Faculty of uh, Industrial Design Engineering uh, in Delft, TU Delft. And uh, so as educated as a designer, I also started to work as a designer, although I also combined my work with some education. I was a product leader, Man- I did also management. and I started to do international projects. And um, yeah, and then I on a certain moment in 2000, I started to work in the faculty again. So I came back to the place where I was educated and I started to be a full-time assistant professor. And after a few years, I was asked to do a doctoral study. That was based on my uh, work so far. So that was actually a great opportunity. And uh, parallel, I always uh, contributed to the organization for example, I uh, was the initiator of the Delft Design Guide, a collection of uh, design methods and uh, models. And, uh, yeah, so and um, uh, there's always a component of uh, creating in it.
0: Yeah, I wanted to actually ask you that because it does seem like... You're a little bit of a and, and uh, you know, uh, apologize if I am um, misinterpreting it, but you seem a little bit of an entrepreneur inside of an academic space. So I wonder what kind of like led you into this uh, direction of, of staying within academia and exploring all of those uh, different uh, things.
2: Yeah, nice uh, to reflect for me also on on this uh, this part of my history. I like to come back to the to the academic world because I also wanted um, to be with students for, in the first place. Uh, their young and flexible minds are really inspiring every day. And um, uh, also to be involved in their creative processes. Mm-hmm. And um, but actually, also doing research was a great opportunity for me to uh, t- to have more in-depth understanding mm-hmm. of what I knew from practice. Mm-hmm. So I think for for myself, it was a logical. Uh, development because first I needed to experience the world and from my experience I can, I can yeah I I'm asking new questions yeah you make it sound so easy <laughs> this
0: kind of like fluidity between navigating this world and uh, kind of um,
2: feeling at home in both yeah, but yeah, you're right. It sounds easy, but it's not, because it's kind of a journey also. You find out on, on the way, uh, on the go, and it sounds maybe easy because I, I don't have master plans in my life. So uh, So as if things just pop up as an mm-hmm. opportunity, but at the same time it's not like that, because I'm always also kind of conscious about how can I... Creates my freedom in a way that I can do what I really like to do, mm-hmm. and um, uh, yeah, there is a lot. There are, of course, always a lot of duties and a lot of barriers, and to do a PhD is also uh, when you come from a pre- yeah from the pragmatic yeah. world, it's also kind of challenging in the beginning. To learn riding and uh, yeah, so now I can see kind of a red line, but I couldn't when I was uh, in the beginning uh, starting.
0: Yeah, and you know, one more follow up question to that: you you mentioned beautifully this kind of uh, uh, drive that you have to to exercise that freedom to create things that you uh, like or or actually create space for freedom to be able to do that. Was that something that you consciously had uh, uh, during molding of your career, or is it something that you became conscious of at some point in time? or was that was that from the beginning, from the early days of your graduation something that you were aware in yourself that you that you value that and you you yeah. need that?
2: I don't think I was very much aware of of it, although I re- but I, I like to reflect on what I'm doing. And to, uh, on what I learn and what I experience on the go while uh, learning, I reflected and then I saw it. So it's not something that I plan in advance.
0: So it's the designer mind, right? That you applied on yourself. So a certain yeah, extent.
2: yeah. And but it doesn't mean that it comes easily. Hmm. It's uh, um, even when I was designing only to to really uh, create something with. The responsibility is that, that I feel it didn't come easily, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm still happy with the results, but you make it sound easier than it is. Then, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, now, I think moving into a little bit into a different direction, looking into your background, in preparation for the discussion, I could also see that. You know, you have a designer with a with an engineer background, but the perspective of how you approach projects, from, from what I could see, seems to me as an anthropologist, quite anthropological, like focused on culture, focused on that kind of... And again, uh, saying, you know, this is another thing that seems so easy and natural in the way you approach design, mm. but it's not something that I personally observe naturally happening in the world with designers and social scientists and culture. Yeah. So, uh, would you agree to this statement, and, and if yes, how did that happen for you, and was there a moment where you discovered this perspective, um, or it was something that it was always there because of a certain way in which you look at the world?
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, I, uh, right now, when I can look back, eh, in the beginning, I didn't see it exactly that sharp, but uh, in the 90s, after my graduation, I graduated uh, on a racing wheelchair for uh, people with a disability. And then uh, I somehow, I think because of this experience, I got involved in a project for hand-operated tricycles in Asia, in different countries, in India, Sri Lanka, Thailand, and Vietnam. Still, I'm thinking of this period of three-and-a-half-year project where I traveled a lot, Uh, I started to uh, learn a lot about the bubble that I was in. So the design engineering, integrating human factors, uh, business aspects, and uh, technology in uh, in, in design. Um, So with a lot of focus maybe also on ergonomics, but then I started to realize... um, how much the influence of your own background, the bubble that you're in, and the context that you're working in, um, the cultural context, is uh, important to to the development of yeah, anything. Mm. And uh, we, we tried to... Actually, we had a kind of a, a, a goal to design a manual, a production manual for tricycles that could be distributed to... <laughs> it was... Um, a visual manual uh, everything was uh, three-dimensional drawings uh, no, no difficult technical uh, drawings uh, to make this dissemination um, as smooth as possible but it was only one design and this whole idea of a universal ide- mm-hmm. uh, design uh, I don't like so much now I think diversity is so important and um, yeah, for the resilience also of our planet, maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so actually, I um, it was there that I started to to become uh, interested in. Yeah, and it,
0: what 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 strikes
2: me is that it also
0: says something to what do you find, what do you put at the level of importance first, right? Like looking into you know not into this universal form. Um, uh, of, of design, like universal uh, item, right? Oh. That and, and then diversity comes first. That also means that uh, there is more power on the individual and less power on the object. So somehow the object needs to fit um, the needs of the individual that it is designed for, rather than you retrofit within an object, um, the particular cultural or the particular differences of, the, of your group. So I think it does say you know what you value and what your what what your lens goes to first yeah. that is it goes first to culture and it goes first to differences also means that that in my eyes you you design um, objects that serve people rather than the other way around you know
2: yeah but even uh, during my whole study and maybe also because of it was very much focusing on uh, how we need to care for the world we're in, the, but as a designer, mm. if you are in an engineering environment like a TU, mm. Delft, the functionality of the design w- is very prominent, like uh, yeah. utilitarian yeah. value. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I started to understand that. Yeah, I had the performance of the design, and I was still thinking about the people because we there was a kind of a um, belief that yeah, the product should be. Uh, the usability, the comfort comes first. But then I started to understand that the meaning in, in in the whole social structure is as important as the usability. So there was a lot of, of focus in my point of view and also because of my education on uh, things need to function first. And although that's still important to people... There is much more that uh, defines the design, actually. For example, social status or, um, yeah, the connotations that are important in that context, uh, the power division, yeah, the social, actually. So I would imagine
0: it's easier for you to lo- work alongside, uh, or, or easier for you to work alongside social scientists or psychologists or sociologists, anthropologists. H- has that happened? And, and how has that, how have you found that?
2: uh yeah easier uh, i like bridging between uh, disciplines so um i'm not necessarily easier uh so psychologists can be very thinking in kind of universal mechanisms that i don't like uh, not always because uh, her principles as if that the cultural is still something else than the psychological part, although it's about people. So I like to contextualize uh, things, hmm. um, and I think it's more sustainable for our world also. Because yeah. we have climate. We have histories of societies that are old, and they they developed some things that make sense in the context. And um, yeah, sometimes we throw. Yeah.
0: Well, this sounds like quite some existential points of view. I wonder when you are like in a, in a design room or in a project with a psychologist, how do you, how do you resolve this, uh, when you have to, uh, bring, bring a lens into a, into a product or design a feature or I'm, I'm curious because I have similar conversations that are almost fundamental. Like what, how do you look at the world? Like what's the purpose of this? Yeah. When I am in projects al- alongside other disciplines, uh, and once you have also time pressure on top of it, and yeah. Nah, yeah. Um, h- how do you, or, or what advice would you have for people
2: um, kind of struggling with this too? Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't push to the borders easily. I, I will suggest things maybe, and uh, so I'm not an activist. Um, but I will uh, contextualize the discussion. So, um, if if things are or are, if people approach as general um, human beings with certain uh, principles of uh, behavior, and they, it's good. I think it's it's very good to understand to do research, scientific research about these principles i think that's that's uh, i really um, see the value of it but then my role will be to contextualize it to say okay but now this person is in uh, in 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 a social system the neighbor uh, some some for example some needs they are there because the neighbor uh, has the same uh, product or service and that's why i want this service or product too, but it's not necessary. So, mechanism might be uh, uni- universal that we copy from each other, that we are part of a social system. That, we- but then I would like to 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 be more specific. Like, okay, what neighborhood? Where are we? Uh, what is exactly the the way people need to survive mm-hmm. in this context? Um, and That will be depend on the on the specific place in on a specific time. I think. Nice. Yeah, so, so I just bring in my thoughts, and uh, the, yeah, that's how I will approach it. And, and is I, it is it uh, I like also so much diversity to have yeah. different uh, interests that and together we need to to come to to results. Yeah,
0: yeah, that, that's what I wanted to say. That you must really like diversity to be able to to sit in the spaces with other perspectives, right? Like, um, yeah, yeah. and have that conversation, and, yeah. and be able to hold space for somebody else's uh, point of view, and and kind of try to yeah. negotiate ra- um, yeah. across uh, disciplines, yeah. no? to a yeah. certain extent.
2: Do it yeah, to open your uh, your thoughts. Yeah. Nice.
0: Um, okay. Uh, I want to turn us a little bit towards your book, uh, which I um, started reading myself. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite an interesting book. For those of our, of our listeners that do not know it, it's called Culture-Sensitive Design. It, it's a it's a recent book that has been published, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, tell us more about it. Uh, what's your motivation behind it? Um, what are and and what do you think are the disciplines? I mean, we've talked a lot a, a bit so far about multidisciplinarity, but um, what are the the disciplines that you think make a good fundament for um, a successful culture sensitive design uh, process
2: yeah think, yeah uh, actually um, the starting point is maybe yeah after my um, doctoral thesis and defense I became more confident that uh, uh, now about how I the, the, about my lens as with the designer background to look at the concept of culture, and um, and I also realized how comprehensive and fluid and difficult the concept is. And somehow they intuitively they will understand immediately, like yeah, of course, culture is important. But how we deal with it, and that's not about only about material culture or about lifestyles. That was something, and. In, in education, at least, um, I felt there is a kind of a gap. Or, and my uh, challenge was to bring things together in a way that it resonates with how designers think and, and work. And, uh, yeah, so actually <laughs> I looked at uh, literature from different uh, theories, uh, from different disciplines, like uh, design histo- history Material, cultural sciences, uh, cultural studies, but also from anthropologists, of course, and even from organizational management and culture. So, I uh, want to bring together a language also that's, that's useful for designers. And, uh, and the book has four parts. One is, uh, the first one is more reflection on culture and your own cultural background, the, the bulb you're in yourself. Uh, another one is, the second one is more the lens and the language and some distinctions about culture. And then the third part is more about models and methods to use. And uh, the last section is about uh, cases, examples about how products and services uh, in the past, how their meaning or their cultural meaning, their symbolic meaning also uh, evolved. Nice. Um, I wanted to also ask you, two things more about the book. One
0: of them, what has struck me looking at it is how well designed it is visually mm-hmm. that it really, it, it, it doesn't look like a book with text. Like there's a lot of like, uh, uh, there's a lot of thought put into the narrative, the visual narrative of the content. Was mm-hmm. that, uh, was that, uh, explicit? Was that something that you you did on purpose? And, and if so, why? And then the second one, it also struck me that the book, it's also, uh, can act as a kind of a handbook of experimentation, so less like a literature literature device that that you read, and, and more like something that you could take in a fieldwork or you could take in an ethnographic project and um, um, and use alongside um, a project. So this kind of like uh, practical um, aspect and this kind of field bookish kind of uh, vibe uh, of part of that book was that also designed in in that way explicitly.
2: Okay, yeah. Now, the visual design, uh, all the credits are for Ivo Zelstra. I worked with him also for the Delft Design Guide, so I knew his, uh, his talent. Um, uh, actually, I wrote the whole book, and then he came in, and then um, he was inspired, and he, was, um, and he also started to think a lot also, and uh, he had a critical reflection also about my writing. Uh, especially uh, for the the last section with the cases he introduced new cases he said okay let's uh, make an um, a collection of cases that really really resonate with designers and um, yeah so um, and I, I invited Evo because of because of his maybe a little bit more provocative way of mm-hmm. Of, of um, approaching the, 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 the topic. But, um, and I learned from him that his way I'm more careful and more sensitive, yeah, literally sensitive for all these connotations. And, um, but his vision on this, on this, on the book is that it's, that you also need to provoke, to make people think themselves. So, um, he, and he did, he didn't give straight answers on why he cho, he has chosen so uh, certain images. Um, and I, yeah, I had my own answers and I thought, okay, the reader will also have his or her own answers on these pictures. It's kind of balancing maybe also, uh, our two characters.
0: Yeah, that, that, that is, that is exactly what it feels. So, um, it's, um, it, it, it's a nice little marriage of kind of like insight and, uh, and, and, and kind of like, uh, concepts and, no? No. and uh, and a playful, provocative kind of manner in which you, um, provoke the reader into thinking along with you. Yeah. Uh, and, and very wrapped in a quite a nice, uh, visual, uh, storytelling style. So, uh, no. Yeah, um, no, um, nice compliments that. to him.
2: Thank you. And yeah. to you, of course. Yeah. And um, yeah. And you uh, you asked me about the structure and like yeah, actually the I'm happy that you somehow recognize it. The idea was also that you can jump to different pages. That it's not it doesn't read as as a novel mm-hmm. to start and finish. You can. It's kind of freely jumping through the book is possible. And th- that was also because. We thought, yeah, this in this way. That's um, also the way how designers read books. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I always get uh, this is as an anthropologist. This is what I've always loved about designers, this and artists in general, yeah. and, and the the power of kind of like. You are trained and, and, and kind of you learn, especially the classical training that I had, to really focus on the words and the story and evocation through words and storytelling. And I find that um, very powerful when you manage to combine it and mesh it with a visual way of of uh, expression. So my best work has always been in this kind of mashup with artists and designers, especially okay. visual designers and sure. and. and and performative art, like uh, uh, poems or like uh, music, if you combine these ways of looking at the world, I, I always found that you kind of amplify your empathy uh, factor, like yeah. the, the one that gets in touch with the work activates not only their, let's say, yeah. intellectual uh, capability, but you touch people in different ways, and, and that has ultimately more impact.
2: No. Yeah, nice, nice how you phrase it, and and, and also working with artists is also the, the way of thinking, and uh, I think is also very useful and for designers because somehow they have this co- they have this comprehensive way of thinking too that you somehow need when you when you think about cultures.
0: Yeah, and also one other thing, and then I'm, I'm moving to my next question. Mm-hmm. One other thing that also fascinates me is science fiction. Um, I'm not sure if you, uh, uh, like as an anthropologist, as I said, that that you constantly think about what's the story, what, what am I going to say here? I get fascinated by good science fiction novelists that actually imagine new futures and potentially new futures, where you talk, um, there is this uh, amazing uh, science fiction writer, I don't know if you know her, Ursula Le Guin. Um, her father was an anthropologist, and and she's one oh, she she's one of the I think uh, figures that has inspired Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. She wrote uh, this beautiful um, series called uh, The Wizard, uh, um, the uh, uh, stories of uh, Earthsea, The Wizards of Earthsea, and various other books. But what she's interesting as a science fiction is that she takes a concept that is culturally driven or anthropological, like for example race or gender inequality or power, and doesn't critically write about it as a concept, but she imagines a new world in which the power dynamics are changed. So she doesn't talk about inequality. She paints a a story about a world where inequality doesn't exist. And then it it helps us dream um, impossible, sometimes futures, you know, just through the power of of imagination and science fiction. And I love this kind of mesh because... From her anthropological background, you come with this interest on these complex topics like inequality or power disbalance or democracy. And the imagination and the science fiction lens that you place on it permits you to create these amazing
2: new worlds, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, good to know uh, her, uh, her work. And... Um, it reminds me also on, um, yeah, in design you always have new buzzwords and nowadays it's also speculative design, yeah. and uh, That's also inspired uh, from science fiction, no, yeah, when you're building, yeah. yeah. It also, it's maybe a similar way to get to understand what does design do or what could it do uh, in another future, in a possible future.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really you. You, I will send you some recommendations of her books. She she wrote some quite famous ones, but I want to move into my next question, and it's it's also one of my favorite questions to ask, uh, which re, uh, is in regards to your uh, choice of exploring a PhD, especially after these years of practical experience. You touched on it early on. Um, um, but I, I'm really curious, what, what made, what was for you the, the driving force in choosing for a PhD at that moment
2: in time in your career? What, what was it? Uh, actually, I was asked. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, the dean and uh, my uh, head of the department, they asked me, uh, there was a program uh, about, yeah, specifically for the, at that time, the concept of the base of the pyramid concept. So the um, yeah let's say to design for the poorer people in the, in, in the world. Um, so that's about this concept about the base of the economical pyramid and since I had also projects about it, still interested in it, that was the starting point to ask me. And then I thought wow if this is possible still uh, I can deepen my uh, understanding of all my experiences. And uh, so I just saw it as, a, yeah, as a challenge, a kind of scary challenge at that moment. But, yeah, if you just start, uh, you come somewhere and you, don't, you just finish it, <laughs> that's the way it works. <laughs> um, and I was also uh, eager somehow to do it because I, um, I was working already in the academic world, and I wanted to learn also the language of academics the culture actually the design the design research culture and uh, actually I noticed I find out that there is there are a lot of subcultures within the design um, faculty because you have people from very different disciplines doing scientific research, so all these approaches are different and they have their own um, yeah, uh, ideas of what is good research, <laughs> scientific research. So that was uh, my side. Yeah, maybe that's my uh, anthropological uh, gene that was already uh, reflecting on it. Um, and, I've, yeah, I found my way. I had, uh, luckily, I could work with uh, Peter Jan Stappers, and uh, I somehow found the bridge to uh, to bring my own experience and work in in a, in a research project.
0: Okay. And uh you know looking looking back now in the uh, in that time in your life um uh, did did you get the value out of it that you expected?
2: No, yeah. I, um yeah, certainly, Yeah, like I said, uh to learn uh also to deepen my own uh, because uh, I was asked for everything. If you have if you are a generalist and yeah. uh, you have a broad education. Then uh, within a big organization, we have a big faculty, a lot of students, um, a lot going on. I was asked for everything. And um, I really felt the need to ha- to deepen my uh, thoughts, what I really like to know, what I really want to mm-hmm. do further. So, yeah, and and that that was certainly uh, the case, right? So case, so then, yeah. so then it was the question, but also the topic, right? that made you yeah. say yes. Yeah. yeah, finally, the topic, yeah, yeah, but I had enough freedom to shape my own uh,
0: research. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine this this is something that um, it's not always the case within PhD trajectories no. um, that you have that freedom. so it's a, it's a it's a good thing that you're mentioning it. Moving kind of a little bit away from your uh, the the PhD project uh, because you mentioned quite several times during our conversation your um, kind of the de- desire to hold space for uh, inclusivity for context for uh, diverse perspectives huh, in the world when you design um, something mm-hmm. um, how how do you design for a diverse society like uh, is it is it possible to to kind of address um, these differences, to create space for customization or uh, give the power back to the individual to place their own contextual reality on the product while maintaining that functionality? Like, how, how does that work
2: for you? First of all, there are some uh, general principles, like uh, you need an open mind, you need to be very curious, a broad interest, you need to dream, <laughs> Uh, but at the same time, you, you, indeed, you don't. You should not lose your pragmatic attitude too, uh, so, and you need to make a lot of decisions. And I think you still have the have the responsibility also as a designer. Um, we co-design, we co-create, uh, we do all kind of participatory um, activities, but we also study theories but fi- finally yeah somehow you're also responsible f- for your design and yeah so somehow you need to keep a clear vision on where you want to go and that's actually also why we teach uh, design students to develop such a vision that you in uh, such a vision you have uh, an idea about the values about uh, a possible future that you envision and that you yeah desire otherwise why would you contribute to it yeah so and there is always this functional part in uh too i think uh the problem is maybe in in the in the real world we have so many forces so so many that will uh somehow also influence uh, or make things not possible or possible um, econom- especially economy is very dominant in uh, in the world the, the companies who, who want and need to um, to earn their money <laughs> want to survive maybe we also need to uh, to educate more also our design students to uh, to be. Are kind of resilient or effective in um, keeping that track. Of uh, at the same time, some flexibility is of course good.
0: That that makes me
2: think of, of two more questions that I want to ask you. I think
0: one of them is: It possible to design at scale um, while while respecting these differences? And then how do you do that? One, one of the things that struck me, particularly while, while engaging with uh, um, design projects in technology, but especially technology platforms that are big, that have to cover geographies, is that it's very difficult to uh, design the same product, like, for example, Facebook, or like a product that works uh, uh, respects the differences of, of cultures in different parts of the world, while at the same time, the people that are sitting at the design table... Um, Are themselves not very diverse. Yeah. So I I I find how do how do you deal with that? How do you deal because I I would imagine if if the scope of a design uh, project and the scope of a tool is within the community where the the team is is coming from themselves, I would imagine it makes it more easier to kind of understand context, respect differences. But the moment you start amplifying kind of like the scope. Uh, while while also exercising this kind of um, uh, ed- ed- added dimension of power and concentration of power and capitalism and all that, then it becomes yeah. quite diff- difficult to yeah, still difficult. respect these
2: diversities. Huh? Yeah. And uh, and that's why uh, I, I, earlier I, I stressed that uh, I like to contextualize things to be specific uh, because also often people talk in general. They talk about yeah, we're designing something for elderly people, and I, and then I think where, when, uh, who are you talking about? Is it um, in an island in the so in the Pacific or where, where are you talking about? Uh, but actually to make them think that uh, there is a context and maybe they're part of it or they're not part of it. And then you can discuss this also. Like, yeah. uh, the outsider, how do you imagine that people will um, live together?
0: Uh, is, it, is it possible then, anime to design, to make Facebook, for example? Just give the example of Facebook. Because mm-hmm. It's such a global tool uh, that gets designed by such a um core group of people that sit yeah. in one specific part of the world and have specific characteristics yeah. but at the same time, how do you sit in a design room somewhere in the. US designing the emoticons like this is what I'm thinking yeah. in my head you know an item of design that is will impact um, expression throughout yeah. the world and how, how
2: do you do that? Uh, you need already uh, to be aware that this whole, that there is a history of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to understand the history to understand where you're now. Because it comes from somewhere. And yeah. actually it's still the dominant yeah uh, culture of how we nowadays uh, communicate with each other. So, yeah, I, re- I remember a paper, and that was about cultural differences and, and, and social social media. Mm-hmm. Like for example, the whole idea of uh, promoting you yourself as an individual with your uh, and you and and also your um, profession in certain places in the world is not so common that you do that, or maybe for certain people they will not. Uh, share that in that way like linkedin and facebook yeah if 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 you're uh, depends on your goal if you want to be super inclusive then you have to um, map all these different societies actually and how they could deal with it privacy can also be a a dangerous uh, part in certain places in the world Um, yeah uh, but don't you end up then with a kind of an
0: exercise in homogenization when you bring it back to the feature yeah, or can, the
2: item? It. No, Yeah, but then be clear about who you include and exclude. Yeah. So for me, it's not uh, always that you need to include everybody. I think to you can also say to design for everybody is to zi- design for nobody. Uh, yeah. So this whole idea of that we design for everybody and uh, we have to scale up and uh, mass production for the whole world economically, these companies, yeah, they want to do that. But I think it's time that Euro- Europe has its own Facebook, for example, so that we have different uh uh designs that's that's for me also diversity not only the 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 people are, are diverse also our things yeah. that we use uh because we're also kind of fixed to one company uh, uh altogether and and then the power is also in in just a few companies so i think diversity division of power i i, I believe that it's important
0: yeah, because that, that's how somehow you 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 uh, also remove this danger of, of global harmonization, right? That that to a certain extent, if you if you start uh, uh, homon, uh, how do you call that making homogeneous, like if the act of smiling or if the language of expression yourself via this platform becomes the norm across the entire world, yeah. you are changing uh, the way. Uh, the uh, specific cultures um, communicate and engage with each other because this becomes a kind of like the 1984, the new vocabulary of expression Um, and that tends to homogenize uh, too much Yeah. um, yeah
2: Yeah, and maybe there. Uh, I I won't say that uh, it brings also something. It brings a common language that we can uh, can understand each other better. Maybe it's end end. You also need to be careful that you don't say yeah. We we only design for everybody. I don't think that's needed.
0: Yeah, and that that kind of also brings me to the next question, which is uh, now in COVID, we see that. We see that quite a lot. Huh? I think, particularly with the uh, these platforms, even the platforms that we're talking about right now, you know, the Microsoft Teams, the Zooms, all of these platforms that are now kind of regulating regulating our our interactions um, as a result of COVID. How, how how do you see that? You know, like how do you see now technology and um, and, and this kind of effects that COVID has placed into the way we engage with each other via these products? Uh, do you see it com- becoming a kind of a homogenizing trend? Uh, how do you see culture-sensitive design helping
2: in still maintaining that diversity? Mm, yeah. Now, first of all, I think COVID is uh, is precisely revealing differences. Uh, if you see, uh, it, it helps us actually to see that... People deal differently with the problem in different places. They have different climates that will affect how they live. They have different economies. Um, uh, You see different solutions, of of course, also how power and hierarchy influences how we deal with the problem. Uh, I don't know if if you follow the Netherlands. Now, uh, (laughs) there is an idea of... uh, uh, our culture and it's always difficult to talk about cultures best is to talk about your own culture
0: yeah um,
2: uh, but if I talk about my own culture and now there is an, a story a myth but maybe it's also a truth that uh, the Dutch they like to um, negotiate about everything and mm-hmm. we're a very individualistic society and our individual opinion is important. That we can share it. That we feel free to share our individual por- uh, point of view, opinion, yeah. even when it's uh, not so comfortable for the other persons. Uh, it's really nurtured in our in our culture, and but that brings other um, problems when it comes to COVID than in another culture where the, where maybe there are more strict rules, and at the same time maybe we we become resilient because we uh, have different points of view and that helps us to understand better the problem. And it also shows the dependencies. For example, uh, there's a whole issue about, uh, or there was about the production of uh, foam, uh, that was uh, mainly uh, produced in China. So uh, uh, the, the rest of the world was depending on this uh, material. Um, so it actually uncovers all kind of inter- uh, connections, but also the differences how we deal with the same uh, problem and our like, weaknesses also. So I think there is somehow also. So it's always both. It's the diff- diversity is there and the commonalities are there. They're both.
0: Yeah, I like that. And also, like you, 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 you see the frame, right? Like you, you see better. Uh, through this extraordinary situation, uh, the, you, the nor- normal becomes visible. It's no longer invisible what yeah. was before, uh, and then you can work with with it for a while better because it's more visible.
2: Yeah, I yeah. like it, and then you can rethink the normal. The normal. Yeah. Yeah, the norm doesn't work anymore. We're stuck into our norms. No,
0: Animik, uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, for oh. those of our listeners, um, I will put in the show ni- notes the links to uh, Animik's book, the culture-sensitive design, but also the the other ones that you mentioned, like the the, the TU Delft uh,
2: the design uh, handbook. I think oh, it was the, the name. Um, yeah, just uh, rev- revised. The new version uh, was uh, launched uh, in May. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And I know the the
0: timeline has gone, but for those of our listeners that are in the Netherlands and have already uh, joined your uh, new course, the registration has closed. But but maybe for those uh, of our listeners that are interested in the topic or uh, are already registered,
2: maybe you can just share a few words about the course at the end of this conversation. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a similar name is the book title. Uh, there's the course culture sensitive design and it's double blended, uh, which I mean that it's both for it's blended for our master uh, students and um, but it's uh, and online and so they will meet uh, offline and online and it's totally online for professionals. So for everybody who also likes to join the course. Uh, it's an online course uh, designed for uh, yeah, de- in, independent work. But uh, we also share a lot from everybody uh, on the platform and their assignments, templates, quizzes. There's a lot to uh, to learn uh, uh, online. Yeah, and it starts um, the, the week zero is the second of November already. And
0: are you planning to do it again afterwards? Is is it a kind of a a recurrent class? A yearly course.
2: course, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So for for those of our listeners, I'm going to put the links to the course uh, also down. Um, Now, Hanenik, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Welcome, very welcome. Thank you for uh, inviting me. It was nice to talk with you.
0: Thank you for listening, everyone. Follow us on our social media channels and look at the
1: show notes for links to our speakers' work. Join us next time for more interesting conversations.